who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast that explores the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Every once in a while, you mix it up. And then the one time that I tried to do it, I got so confused that I had to completely start over because I didn't know where I was. Yeah, you know, sometimes I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. And I'm like, it'll be fine. Just say it confidently enough and everybody will be like, yeah. See, when I try to do that, I feel like that's when like two words come out of my mouth as one word and it's like not what I mean to say. (laughs) I mean, yeah, everyone just look, you got to forgive me. I'm back in the office now, although I do have my own office now, which is like, wow, night and day. (laughs) Incredible. So it's not like you're not in like a cubicle. You have like four walls and a door. I have... Yeah, and I have like a, a wall that's just windows. So I'm just Ooh. like, oh my God, thank God. I've got like a light. I love that. Yeah, and I, I don't want to blast where I work, but it's like facing the tour building. Um, and I'll bleep this out because they'll know this property and then they'll they'll put two and two together like yeah. detectives. Um, but there's just a giant f- poster. That's oh, like I'm just looking at. I love that. All day, every day. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a much better situation, but my brain is... Something about just getting up early in the morning and driving somewhere and having to come home and like my brain is like scrambled eggs. Yeah, it is exhausting. I mean, I remember like when I first started working at like my retail job, I also went from like sitting on my ass all day to like being on my feet all day. And I was just like, my body is not Uh meant for this. I can't do it. But yeah, just like getting yourself to do anything after like not going anywhere for so long feels like Uh such a Goliath task, you know? I cannot get out the door at a reasonable time in the morning to save my life. Like every day, I'm like, Oh, my anxiety forces me to leave like so early. Oh man, I've been getting to work like 10 minutes late every day. Oh God, that makes me so anxious. I can't do that. I'm always like five to 10 minutes early. (laughs) I hate it. I can't. 
can't stand being late. Well, let's get into some news topics. The first thing that I wanted to bring up today was suggested by a listener, and it is a doozy. Um, I'm going to give a trigger warning at the top for this story. I don't really know what to state for what, but we are talking about a abortion case in Nebraska that does have some sort of like... I guess sensitive details and it's a sensitive topic and yeah, let's get into it a little bit. So a Nebraska mother, I wrote a Nebraska mother in Nebraska. Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, you could be a Nebraska mother living elsewhere. That's true. Or on vacation. I could be a Minnesota mother living in Los Angeles. I don't know if that would be like applicable to me anymore, though. But anyways, a Nebraska mother has been charged with helping her 17-year-old daughter end her pregnancy at 24 weeks. So Nebraska currently allows abortion up to 20 weeks. The daughter has also been charged, and since she's now 18, she is going to be tried as an adult, and they have pled not guilty. Wait, wait, though. Was she 18 at the time? No, she was 17, but I think even then, there's a lot of cases where they're like, well, you were close enough to being 18. I mean, there are 16-year-olds that'll be tried as adults sometimes. Mm, Okay. If they feel, from the true crime that I've ingested throughout my life, from what I've seen, if they feel that the crime is like adult, they'll treat the kid more like an adult, if that makes sense. I don't okay. think it's right. I'm, well, listen, I've definitely seen cases where that argument can be made. I I don't know that an abortion case is where I would want to... Totally. Yeah. Try but, and make that But then thing. again, I think that like this, a lot of this case, I think everything was unnecessary about it. None of this needed to be done. Um, because this this girl should have been able to get an abortion to begin with if she wanted to, you know? So that's kind of uh, the negative about this whole story in general is that none of this should have ever happened. Um, but they were first arrested in June and charged each with a single felony for removing, concealing, or abandoning a body and two misdemeanors for concealing the death of another person and falsely reporting to police. So I take huge issue with the wording yes. of these charges because I don't necessarily necessarily think that we should be regarding a fetus as another person right and I also think that saying you know that they were concealing a body I even think that using body brings up a lot of that same feeling as if this was a person who had lived a life yeah this is it's I feel like that language is being used very deliberately to incite like an emotional response in somebody, you know, to elicit rather elicit an emotional response in like the jury or yeah. anybody who reads the story. Right. Because and I just you're don't automatically think it's going, correct. Yeah. Well, you're automatically going to be thinking about a, you know, two month old baby or something. You know what I mean? And that's not really what happened. No, because if this fetus had been, you know, just birthed, there's no way that they would have survived at 24 weeks after conception. There's no way that this child would have survived on its own without maybe like some severe medical help. Even then, I'm not a doctor. I feel like that would be very, very difficult for that child to live uh, a life after that. So, but I also take trouble with the fact that they are in trouble for not reporting it because... In their minds, it's like, well, it's an abortion. I'm not going to call the police on myself and report an abortion and things like that. So I just feel like some of the charges, the wording of it is off. And I feel like it is really being treated like a homicide. They're trying to make an example. Exactly. Yeah, that's that is how that feels. So when they got the abortion, how did that go down? Did they go 
somewhere? No. They So investigators were able to get the information that they did because they were able to obtain their Facebook messages between the mother and daughter. And in those messages, there was proof that the mother had been discussing picking up uh, a medication to induce a miscarriage and things like that. So they were talking about their their plan over on Facebook, Facebook Messenger. Okay. Yeah. And did they not have cell phones? Just asking. I have. They didn't mention anything about cell phones. They okay. didn't mention if they live nearby each other. I found it kind of strange that they would be discussing all this on Facebook Messenger. Well, I know that some people, you know, it can be a class thing. Like, you know, some people um, don't have the means to have cell phones. Right. So but they can use the Internet and Facebook. Right. And, and that's how like they that. communicate. So that could be the case here. Right. Possibly. And then if they don't, I mean, it's something I would rather maybe discuss in person because it's such a serious thing and and we know because we are reading the news all the time um that it is very dangerous to be discussing this type of thing in a pub on a you know on like a public platform even if it is a private message Mm -hmm. um yeah it, it really is so they had discussed the medication for the miscarriage and like this is trigger warning part here they also discussed um burning the fetus after it was removed to dispose of its remains, uh, which led authorities to finding the remains of the fetus and there were, quote unquote, thermal wounds on Mm -hmm. the fetus when they found it and things like that. So there was proof that they had burned this fetus and they had initially told authorities that she had had a, the daughter had had a stillbirth in the shower and then was always up front with what they had done afterwards and things like that. But investigators, uh, yeah, so I'm not really sure what made the investigators want to look at the Facebook account in general. I'm wondering if because of all of the different restrictions that have come out after Roe was overturned, if maybe that's just something that's on law enforcement's radar. That's oh, terrifying. and there was a tip. Somebody did tip authorities about this story to begin with, or else how would they even know about this okay, miscarriage I, to begin with? I have or a anything? Lot of, yeah, I've got a lot of questions. First of all, it's terrifying that they can just be like, hmm. Anytime somebody is pregnant, because like what you could have a miscarriage. Exactly. Like genuinely. And like I I know there are a lot of 17 year olds who might have a miscarriage and not know what to do yeah. afterwards and aren't going to like, why would they think to call the police or something? Yeah. And they might not handle it the best. Right. But this is also involving the moms. There is an adult yeah, involved. Yeah. But, no, you know. but I mean, it, it just sets a really scary precedent because it does. it's just like it's not outside the realm of possibility that you could people have miscarriages every day that right. somebody could have a miscarriage and then not know what to do especially a young person right and I'm not saying like burn the fetus but maybe like put it in a box and bury it or something right. you know yeah. what I mean? like so you like you would still do I mean I always think of the episode of Grey's Anatomy that Haley was on where she uh-huh. was like she had a baby put in a dumpster. The, and put it in like the dumpster at the school or whatever and then right. they, you like, know so if that happens can you be charged I mean I understand that's not the situation here but doesn't it make you start thinking about like what if if the implications are such that a fetus is a person then yeah exactly I mean like, that's the thing that's that that's the first thing to me that's fucked up about this whole situation is that they're treating this like it's a murder of a human being instead of the removal of a fetus and what and what was done within that. So I'm assuming that whatever tip they got must have been hot and steamy enough that they were like, there's more to this story. 
So people on the internet were really upset that Facebook would release these messages so easily to investigators. Um, There was even a hashtag delete Facebook that was trending all over Twitter. And then Facebook came out and made a comment stating that the search warrant they received didn't mention anything about an abortion, but also declined to say how the company would have responded if it had been clear that the case was about an abortion. But either way, legal experts say that even if the nature of the case is spelled out, the company wouldn't have had an alternative but to comply. Because once a judge grants a request for users' data, tech companies have little they can do to avoid complying with these demands. That's not surprising to me at all. You know, because if it was a murder investigation they they don't get to have the discretion over whether or not to turn over material exactly and in in a way i think that that makes sense because i think that if you're in an investigation you shouldn't be letting everybody in on what you're doing like you should kind of keep things close to your chest so of course you're not going to be like hey facebook we've got this abortion case that we really need your help on you know But advocates are saying that to prevent this type of situation, social media platforms, telecom companies and other Internet data brokers will have to limit what data they collect if they want to avoid helping the prosecution of women seeking abortion in states where the procedure is legal. So it does really rely on the tech companies and what data from us they're taking and using because that's what is going to mm-hmm. be eventually handed but, over to investigators. Yeah, I mean, this is complicated. Cause what the it really comes, story is... What it really comes down to is nobody should be in this position in the first place. You should be able to get a safe and legal abortion if you need one, period. Right. Like, that's just what should happen here. Because outside of that, not that I'm going to cape for Facebook, because fuck Facebook, I don't even use it. But, like... Th- can you control what people say on there? Like, I mean, not, no. not, not, yes, you can control to some degree, like public. You can monitor. You can monitor things that get put up on message boards or groups that are created, and they should be doing more of that. They're not doing nearly enough of that. Right. But and I there are supposed, supposed to be certain, like, you know, keywords, things like that, that will, like, pop up in their yeah, algorithms like, or whatever to flag it, you know. How much can you limit what people say privately in, like, DMs to yeah. each other? And, if you choose to limit what or like not allow like straight up delete messages or not allow people to communicate via DM, is that classist in a way? Because that yeah. is some people's only means really. I think that it totally is. And I also think that it's not necessarily just Facebook's fault, because if I think about warrants on a phone like you could get everybody's text messages like we communicate so much virtually and don't always just discuss things face to face I mean phone calls can be monitored we're being listened to all All the the time time. and that's the thing that's so scary I mean activists that were on Twitter with the you know hashtag delete Facebook were tweeting things like if you don't delete Facebook at least make sure you never talk about anything over Facebook Messenger that you wouldn't want turned over to the police but it's kind of scary to think about like just don't talk about any of those things in general because you never know at this point what could be used against you because this never should have been treated like a homicide to be able to retrieve these messages to begin with right I mean and I will say you know the messages do appear to be they they feel weird (laughs) yeah I'm not saying that like and this is the thing that was kind of hard about wanting to retell this story because I think that 
it is there's there's some ickiness that it gave me with this story right on well, both because sides. of the way that it's because of the way that they're talking about it right it where it feels very kind of flippant and i think that that is the thing that is making like investigators be like this is a murder look at the way they talked about this but then i'm also you know, like i also don't believe that people need to be affected negatively about having an abortion it, either right so like i'm kind of trying to take my judgments out of it because you know, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show already yet, but, you know, she was excited to wear her jeans again. And I think that that's something that could be seen as, like, very cold and evil, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but I don't feel that way about that at all. No, because, because if you, you know, if you were in that position, if I was pregnant and didn't want to be, yes. and that was changing my body and making yes. me feel uncomfortable and I didn't fit into my clothes, it's, I would probably say the same thing mm-hmm. as well. So I, it, it is just, I think, such a complicated story, and I do feel for this mother and daughter so much. Oh, and absolutely. I'm also terrified for, you know, what this means for anybody in yeah. the states with such harsh abortion laws and Nebraska is continually trying to put more and more restrictions onto their laws yeah. as well so yeah. it's not going to get any easier. Yeah. Yeah, the implications of it are what scares me and things are only getting scarier and scarier in terms of technology like um Amazon was trying to purchase the like and this I don't have any notes on it I just heard it in passing I think maybe on the daily or something um, that they're trying to purchase like the data from things like Roombas. Yes. Right. Which is which well, is, they've already done the ring cameras. Why won't they do the Roombas now? Right. Which I mean, and it's they'll say that it's so that like they know how better to market. Right. Because like if they can get the data from your Roomba, they know like, oh, the Roomba is trying to navigate about around a bunch of toys. So it's going to start giving you ads that knows, means you have kids. It's going to start giving you ads for like kid stuff or you don't have a lot of furniture. So I it's don't gonna give want you, ads you to do that. Though. Right. But and that's it. That's weird and freaky and scary enough on its own but then of course for me I'm like you having basically the entire blueprint of my house or apartment is feels like it could have much sinister implications so it's all of these things are and knowing your belongings, right. knowing those. I mean, I know that our phone already knows all those things about us and is listening Mostly. to us all the time. Yeah. But there is but to get like, that granular to know like this. There's a hallway right here. There's we have, uh, you know, this many animals. We have this many kids because it can pick up on those things. Like that stuff listen? is scary. Like, is there a microphone? Well, I mean, I already have an Alexa. So that's uh, that's I, I will <laughs> never I, I can't say never, but I don't think I'm ever going to own an Alexa or a Google or anything like that. I just don't think I don't think I want someone listening to me all the time I've always had them in homes that I've worked in and it's so annoying because when I used to work for T I'd be like hey T but the thing responded to hey Siri and T and Siri for some reason to them sounded the same so it always responds to me like I'm not talking to you right yeah I mean I I have one at this point. I'm just I'm just resigned uh, for the most part. Uh, but okay, let's let's talk about let's a couple a couple other things. I did want to bring up. I know that you brought up monkeypox a couple of months ago, like when um, things were really starting to kick off. But I really feel like we need to talk about it again. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. declared monkeypox a public health emergency. More than 35,000 cases have been confirmed since the start of the year in 92 countries and 12 people have died, according to the World Health Organization, which has designated the outbreak as a global health emergency. With global case numbers jumping by 20% in the past week, the UN Health Agency is urging all countries to do more to rein in the spread, 
including ensuring at-risk populations have access to services and information about the dangers and how to protect themselves. Yes. So there is a vaccine. Yes. Um, it was originally developed for smallpox, but it is in very short supply. We have allowed, um, in the last however many years, we have allowed a lot of it to expire, uh, which is really shitty for a lot of reasons, not just that our current circumstances would have very much benefited from having uh, right. more of the vaccine, but also there are communities around the world who have been suffering from monkeypox for a long time who right. could have used that. Um, instead of letting it expire, you could have shipped it off somewhere where it could have been useful. And we could have prevented it. Right. So despite all of the jokes that we have been hearing about the illness, I feel like people are being being very flippant about I this. mean, honestly, I wish it was called something other than monkeypox. I feel yes. like calling it monkeypox right off the bat when I first heard of this thing like months ago, I'm like, don't even get me started. Like, what are these killer bees again? Like, right. don't go there. It's true. It, it, you know, does, like, it does feel like the death hornets or whatever the that yeah was, it just sounds know. like the name of like a bad movie title yeah, or something yeah. it doesn't sound like a real serious thing and yes. I think that that's why one it's so easy to make jokes about it and two people are homophobic as fuck yes and it affects bisexual and gay men primarily or not primarily but like for the most part yes. that's the group that's been and affected and sex workers yeah, yeah. sex workers as well um, right but it is actually extremely painful with some sufferers calling the experience traumatic like yeah. it's bad have you seen like the tiktok videos and stuff i have seen the pictures okay i won't i won't look because like you know how when anthony used to send me those pimple popper videos how oh, yeah. i responded it's- there's no way that i can look at things like that but max has and told me about it and like it sounds like the most crippling pain and i'm so scared of it yeah yeah i mean they've described it in just like really graphic ways of like how painful it is um so sufferers experience painful lesions that some people have described as excruciating and the most pain of my life uh the illness is also often accompanied by fever body aches chills Mm. and sweats and and the symptoms can last for weeks i don't want to be hot and in pain and sweating i just with open lesions that like i saw somebody and they described it as like it feels like needles that was the one that max yeah it was like needles are just being like pushed into my skin Mm -hmm. it's like oh like i've had kidney stones they say that that's like one of the most painful things i'm trying to like think about that pain compiled with like actual open wounds on my body right i mean and also just like skin like when you have like skin disorders or whatever that that shit hurts so bad like Like, if you're like really like knowing you're really sunburned you can't even wear clothes like everything just hurts never get comfortable i saw this guy talking about his experience with monkeypox and he's like they gave me everything they gave me gabapentin they gave me ibuprofen they gave me every kind of painkiller and nothing nothing touched it they're like nothing touched the pain So communities that are affected have also had a hard time getting their hands on vaccines, no doubt in part because those communities have been largely marginalized as the majority of those diagnosed are men in the LGBTQ community and sex workers. Um, But this is starting to change. This week, there was a monkeypox case that was reported by a man whose primary risk factor was close non-sexual contact at a crowded outdoor event Mm -hmm. because this is not, you know, despite popular opinion, it's not an STD or STI. It is not a purely sexually transmitted disease. And according to the CDC, it can spread to anyone through close contact, which is often skin to skin. So we think of it as sexually transmitted because 
oftentimes those skin to skin encounters are sexual in nature. Right. Um, but they don't have to be. So right. This- I mean, I've been wearing gloves at work since I work with secondhand clothes. A lot yeah. of us have been wearing gloves just because it's unlikely, but there is still a likelihood that even just from clothes and things yeah. like that, it can be transferred. So, you know, I go through so much of other people's clothes every day that I'm like, just to be safe. Yeah. Let's do that. Totally. So for this patient, it was likely close dancing with strangers. He was outside at like an outdoor party where people were dancing for a few hours. Um, this week also saw the first reported case of human to dog monkeypox mm. transmission, prompting health officials to advise that those who have been exposed to or caught the disease to isolate from their pets. Oh They're my like, gosh. Don't, you, you can't be around your animals because you might give it to them. Oh, that's like so hard if you like don't uh-huh. have people around to help you. Yeah, what are you going to do? Oh. Um, they've also said that for those suffering from monkeypox, waste management is critical to lowering the risk of in- contaminating rodents and mm. other animals outside the household. And why they want to do that is because when viruses jump from uh, jump the species barrier, it often causes concern that it could mutate more quickly. So that's very dangerous. So Rosamond Lewis, uh, the World Health Organization's technical lead for monkeypox, emphasized that so far there were no reports that um, that that was happening with monkeypox, that it was mutating at a dangerous level. But she acknowledged that as soon as the virus moves into a different setting in a different population, there is obviously a possibility that it will develop differently and mutate differently. Mm. So I'm just bringing this up because it's we should to be aware. I'll be aware. Yeah. Because again, I feel like there's a lot of joking happening. And I feel like a lot of that levity is just because we have just lived through the most bananas last yeah. like, like six years. I think years. that there's a lot of people that do it with good intention as a way of like, like you said, levity, lightening the yeah. situation. But then there are also just shitty, homophobic, awful people that are perpetuating really negative things oh, with their jokes. So a lot of people on the right um, have openly said that like, this is a gay disease. Yeah. So like, we don't, we don't need to care about it. If you are a good upstanding Christian person, who's not going out there and like fucking around, then you won't get it, which is just truly not the case. Yep. Um, and also, even if it was, is it the eighties again with the AIDS crisis? What's happening? Exactly. Um, I do want to touch on this. If you don't mind just yeah. really quickly, uh, Liz Cheney was defeated this week, and I did want to talk about that. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and like, ooh, ooh, rah, rah, Liz Cheney, because she backed Trump on like 90% of his policy. Yeah. She didn't do anything until January 6th. But I feel like since January 6th, she has kind of walked back a little bit on some of her things, or at least tried to. And I'm not saying that that just like, just why why am I about to say discusing that doesn't excuse her from like what she did and like what she's backed with Trump in the past but at least she's kind of like tried to take some of her own people down a little bit since January am I thinking of the right person yes. no you definitely okay are. I'm like I'm thinking of Liz Cheney right yes, you definitely are okay. so <laughs> she is Trump's highest profile critic on the right within within the Republican Party um she's Dick Cheney's daughter uh, she is also currently serving as the co-chairwoman of the House Committee investigating the January 6th siege of the Capitol. So a lot of people on the right have called her a rhino, like a, yeah. a, a Republican in name only. They have like berated her for going after Trump and saying he's a traitor to our country because right. he is. Um, so she lost 
in a huge landslide, like resoundingly lost her primary race for Wyoming's, uh, Wyoming's, Wyoming's lone house seat. She received 29% of the vote compared Ooh. with 66% for Harriet Hagman, um, who was the Trump endorsed candidate. That makes sense. Yes. So Harriet Hagman sounds terrible. She's an anti-environmentalist. So that's not good. She has spent uh, she spent decades as a trial lawyer fighting environmentalists in America's least populated state, Wyoming, and opposing federal rules protecting land, water, and endangered species. Her most far-reaching case was a successful challenge to a Clinton-era federal regulation to protect millions of acres of national forest. So she sucks. She also has the most crazy of crazy eyes I've ever seen in my life. So I didn't know that this was the person, but Max was like, this person is terrifying and showed me her picture earlier. Like, look at her face. Yeah, no, she's We're going to post this picture because she is dead in the eyes and she's terrifying. She's, like, I'm not here to talk about people's appearances or anything, but this woman is like evil also, emanating outside her body. It feels that way when you look at what she wore to, um, like when she won to, where I'm just like, are we like in the capital of the Hunger Games or something? Like, what's this you know she also represented groups that sought to remove protections for the gray wolf under the endangered species act she's what? like kill those wolves i don't care why and, do you want to kill the wolves she's evil um in stark contrast to liz cheney she has also echoed trump's conspiracy theories by falsely claiming the 2020 election was rigged um so she really sucks so what does this mean for the gop it means for me that they are so much worse off than we may have feared, despite the fact that recent polls, which do we even trust polls anymore, no. um, have indicated that Trump's support in the Republican Party is slipping. This loss has certainly proven that the cult of Trump remains strong within the party and just reason is not on the table for many. I will tell you this. I just got back from Ohio, kind of like ruler Ohio is where I was at. It is terrifying. Ugh. When I tell you there were businesses, lots of businesses that had Trump stuff. Oh, up, yeah. And it I've never seen anything like it. He's, yeah. It, I, I've ne it's a cult. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and that is very scary. Liz Cheney has said that she is considering running for Pre the presidency, um, which again, for me, I don't want Liz Cheney to be president, but if we can split the Republican vote as much as possible, I'm yeah, like, Girl, then that would be helpful. Go for it. And she did reiterate, I believe that Donald Trump continues to pose a very grave threat, a risk to our republic. And I think defeating him is going to require a broad and united front of Republicans, Democrats and independents. And that's what I intend to be a part of. So, well, Liz, help us out. Please help us out as best you can. Why don't we take a quick break before we tell our last story? OK. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So almost 50 years ago, when Marlon Brando won the Best Actor Oscar for, I almost said Goodfellas, for The Godfather, <laughs> uh, if he were to win, 
he called up a woman by the name of Sasheen Littlefeather asking if she would go up and take or refuse the award essentially in his honor. And now almost 50 years later, the Academy has issued an apology to Sasheen. And this story has come up again. And I think that... I'm definitely adding her to a future feminist faves. Oh, yeah. I was reading her Wikipedia page today. She sounds amazing. She's also, like, again, looks don't matter, but she is one of the stunning. most beautiful people. Yeah, she's people. stunning, truly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, she was a model and an actress, too, as well as an activist, and I'm like, I can see it. She's also so, I remember her accepting that speech, and she's so, like, her voice is so, like, soft and, she, like... She's very unassuming sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she also, I bet, was a little bit scared. She was scared. I heard an interview with her talking about Yeah, it sounds like it wasn't really like a great experience, and this is why. So she was 26 years old at the time, and this was the first time a Native American woman had ever stood on stage at the Academy Awards, which is crazy. So... When she got up there, she began speaking to the audience about criticisms of Native American stereotypes in the media, and she also talked about the federal government standoff at Wounded Knee with Native Americans involved. She was booed off the stage. Uh, there were some like whoops in response, like for John her Wayne support. tried to fight her. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. In particular, John Wayne was literally held back by security. Big and strong man, John Wayne. <sighs> Fuck you, John Wayne. You suck. He really does suck. There's a behind the bastard on him. He's oh, good. awful. Oh, I gotta listen to that. That's crazy. But yeah, security had to restrain, restrain him backstage so he wouldn't storm the stage a la Will Smith and, you know, beat her up. It's terrible. Um, so the Academy released a statement on Monday that they wanted to apologize to Miss Littlefeather, who is now 75 years old, nearly 50 years after the event. Littlefeather says she was shocked by the apology and never thought she would live to see the day. She said that she had received a call the night before the ceremony from Marlon Brando and the two had become friends after being introduced by the Godfather writer-director Francis Ford Coppola, who I love. She arrived with just 15 minutes left to the program wearing a buckskin dress, moccasins, and hair ties. Brando had written a prepared speech for her to present, but a producer spotted the pages in her hands and threatened to arrest her if her comments lasted more than 60 seconds. So she was, like, threatened before going on stage. In a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, she said, I focused in on the mouths and jaws that were dropping open in the audience, and there were quite a few, but it was like looking into a sea of Clorox, you know? There were very few people of color in the audience. Yeah, I bet. I just love that she refers to it as a sea of Clorox, though. Mm, Yeah, Uh, poetic. (laughs) She said that when she had visited Brando's house after the event, there was an incident with people shooting at her and doing the tomahawk chop in her direction. It's just so sad. Yeah, it's awful. She said speaking out about it all now in 2022 felt like, quote, a big cleanse. It was discovered that she had been diagnosed with terminal breast cancer last year in 2021. And she says, it feels like a sacred circle is completing itself before I go in this life. The former president of the Academy, David Rubin, wrote, For too long, the courage you showed has been unacknowledged. For this, we offer both our deepest apologies and our deepest admiration. His entire letter will be read next month in a program at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures called An Evening with Sasheen Littlefeather. So if you live in L.A. and you can go to the Academy Museum, I definitely want to try. That's pretty cool, yeah. It sounds like it's going to be awesome. Um, The event will feature Native American performers and speakers, including the co-chair of the Academy's Indigenous Alliance, Bird Running Water, and Kalina Lawrence, a Sakamish singer. So I wanted to add a little bit of levity to that news. that's awesome. 
Yeah, I thought that was really great. Uh, Too little, too late, in my opinion. And it seems like because there was this like event coming up that the Academy probably felt some pressure to make an apology. Yeah. But I like that it happened. The story was brought up again and she was able to get the closure that she so much deserved in her life. Well, clearly it meant something to her to get that closure. So that's really like that that's, that's what, what i care about exactly. yeah exactly you know the rest of it is like meh but yeah i know um so before we end the episode i just want to say thank you so much to everyone who's reached out um after my announcement last week that i will be exiting the show um i really 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 appreciate it you have no idea how much that means to me um i cried in my office today at work so thank you very much and i i love you and although i am going i'm not going i'm still part of this community forever yeah. and always and um, i think i left a comment on someone's page being like don't worry i'll drag her ass onto a mic whenever i can get her <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, i'll still be around and of course like anytime anybody ever wants to like reach out and 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 talk to me please do and yeah. i'm i'm a i'm a rager i'm i'm gonna enjoy being able to like kind of kick back and just be a, <laughs> be a rager with the rest of you so, i love you it know. i know i so appreciate everybody's support not just for keegan but for the show and for everything yeah. and like being cool with all of these changes and just like being so nice. Thank you. <laughs> it's yeah. much appreciated. Um, if there's anything that you want us to talk about in the meantime, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. And last but certainly not least, it's been a little while. So if you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. Hit five stars and leave us a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It truly helps us out. And it makes it All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.